at the 26-yard line. Henry, running lane. Henry, turning on the speed. Derrick Henry, stiff arm. Henry, another. Oh, he's done it again. Oh, Henry. Touchdown, Titans. You knew it was coming. It's coming. Mariota throws in the end zone. Man is there. Touchdown, Titans! Corey Davis, his first ever touchdown catch at Nissan Stadium. That's why you pick him. That's why you want him. And that's why Marcus Mariota is the man. My name's Adam, and this is a potentially very angry Transatlantic Titans podcast episode. I don't know. Angry? Yeah, it will be. Who am I kidding? Greg's with me. How are you doing, Greg? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad. I'm uh, relieved. What's it? Three games left of the season now? Can't come quick enough for me. Just get this season over with, and and then we can start getting excited about all the players we're not going to be drafting. <laughs> I think, well... Off-season, there's legitimate reason we could be excited about the future. You have to be as a fan. What's the like? You can't just sit there and say we're going to be dreadful for 10 years. I mean, we're not the Jets or... <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was about to list some other teams, but they're probably all better than us right now. It's, yeah, officially eliminated from playoff contention, which felt like it really should have happened weeks ago but it it happened not getting the tie in overtime was what sealed the deal apparently so uh yeah no no playoff hope for for the Tennessee Titans just down to yeah five and nine three games to go it's just gonna we're just gonna watch it all play out or not watch it whatever you prefer um, it was back down to earth though should we say the Oilers uniforms against the Texans, which was always going to be a bold choice. You know, we had to back it up with a win. As we end, kind of ended the pod with last week, it felt that we needed to do it. And I'm not going to lie, it stung. Um, regardless of our record or draft position or anything like that, I just wanted to beat them. Um, it was uh, pretty galling the way it ended in overtime and, you were probably even angrier than me, just from the the tone of our <laughs> the tone of our messages at the time. Would that be fair? Uh, yeah, I think at the time, not angry, you just, you... angry or disappointed, or yeah, um, and don't want to sound like a stereotypical father, but um, <laughs> no, I think it was one of those games where at the time, um, you just have to look at you know, the Texans have had a good year, but that wasn't the Texans that have had a good year. They didn't have CJ Stroud. They didn't have Nico Collins. Obviously, Tank Dell's out. They didn't even have Will Anderson on, on their defense side of the ball, which, yeah, they're all big, big players. And you can argue we had players missing too. So I'm not going to put it down to, you know, put it down to players missing or not missing. But if you can't beat under those circumstances and watching that game, if you can't beat what's in front of you and what we saw from the Texans as well as then, then, you know, you don't deserve to be anywhere near the playoffs, and luckily we're not. So it was, it was a, it was a frustrating uh, afternoon, evening, um, purely on the basis that we'd come off the high of Miami, where we'd see that's that's the thing that makes it 
more frustrating for me is having seen that the high of that Monday night game and what this team can do. Um, and just just the kind of the attitude that came with it and the the confidence and everything else. And then we from a game that we grew into as well and sustained sustained the quality. Um, and the opposite just happened on Sunday. Like we started really well, which has happened. You know, we get got the three and out, effortlessly took the ball down the field, scored a touchdown. Um, I think sort of maybe a little bit of punt tennis, and then we have that pick six, and it's it's thirteen nothing, and it just looked like, hang on, this is this is going to be really good fun. And you've got Mike Brable doing a bow and arrow celebration on the sideline, and I don't know. Ten minutes later, you said something in the chat. We're losing this, and I just thought, yeah, you're right. You could just tell the it was the the Tim Kelly masterclass of having all the ideas for one drive and coming up with ab well I I'm not going to make myself work by uh, having to put some bleeps in um so I'll uh, <laughs> yeah you take your guess the, as to what I was uh, going to say there the play calling was was by far and away the biggest issue um it wasn't I. I it wasn't a case of, I mean, sure, you know, the Texans absolutely bottled up Derek Henry all day. So after 14 carries and 12 yards, to decide to go for a wildcat is just, for me, was just suicidal. And and the sort of thing that is just absolutely negligent when, when you're an offensive coordinator calling plays. I don't know, like, it's not like it's a, we've never seen him in the wildcat before. It's not like they're trying to put something on tape. Everyone's seen it before. It's like fourteen. Yeah, it's it's sorry. It's it's just. Has he got a genuine question? Like, has he got any eyes? Is he watching the game that's going on in front of him? Like, I'm all for coming up with a a game plan, or what you think might work on any given day. But you've got to watch and react to what's going on. So So, if something's not working at all, stop doing it. Try something else. It just, I just, just make a belief. I just didn't understand at any point in that game what our game plan really was. I mean, you, to your point, we started well the first drive, moved it down the field relative ease, and most of that was through the air, wasn't on the ground. Um, and then we kind of went into, and I think Vrabel came out of a comment after the game of, you know, we, we've been successful winning games by running the football. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that you you that do it mean it's gonna every work single every game. Yeah, yeah and, it, and and if it's not working for three quarters or, or pretty much for the entire game. But at the point of that wildcat call was must've been in the fourth quarter. hasn't worked for three quarters of this game. Why on earth are you, are you calling that play? But it just, there was a video, I think on Twitter today, and I can't give credit to who it was because I can't remember. Um, it was a video of all of the first down play calls. And it was just. Uh, I think that was Graver. It was Graver. Yeah. 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 It just literally came to me as you said it. The, it with, was just with horrendous. some circus music on the top of it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> but it was just it was just it, horrendous. It was just horrendous. There was one, I think, one throw to I want to say hop, might be wrong. As well, um, no, it's it was trailing. There's a throw to trailing. Yeah, yeah. On you. yeah, you're right. But other than that, it was it was just it was just dreadful. And and the the biggest thing I, I felt on on Sunday was and this is unlike the Miami game to us, obviously a certain extent. I mean, look, the Miami game was you're not going to get a game like that, probably well, not ever again, but certainly not we won't get one ever again. 
Um, but it just it just felt really predictable. It felt ultimately really boring. And I felt sorry for every single person who'd spent good money to go into that stadium watching the products that was on the field, both from an offensive side. I mean, defensively, they, they kind of did what they needed to do. They still had a bit of a bend, don't break mentality. But like I said earlier, this isn't the, the Houston Texans that have played this season. That's Case Keenum under center. That's that's they're missing their best weapons. Noah Brown went all Matt Collins on us, and you know it's it just for me. I can't criticize the defense too heavily, but at the same time, we, they're not the reason we lost this game. No, no, no. At the same We've time, had... there were there were still. I mean, they, the the run. Sorry, Adam, but the, the run game started really, really well, and then after the first couple of drives, Devin Singletary is just running all over us. So it's as much as I can't criticize the defense. I, I still can and I still will because there's there's parts of the of that game that wasn't right. But offensively, I probably wasn't hard, the worst. It's hard to. It's worth remembering. You 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 said at at the start that yeah the Texans were missing various players. So were we. Most of the players we were missing on are on defense. Forget the O line for a second. That's another topic. But yeah, we're obviously missing Big Jeff. We've traded away Kevin Byard. We've got nobody really inside linebacker other than Al Shair. Diff, uh, that, 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 yeah, interior Tia Tart's been waived. You've got you've got yeah, there's Landry and Autry with the, the pass rush, and they did they both did pretty well again. But I'm not crit- yeah, I'm not, they I'm only not criticizing nineteen points in nineteen points in overtime isn't isn't bad. No, no, not at all. And 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 that's the point. I'm gonna I'll criticize, definitely criticize the run defense. We missed Tart. Um, and the fact he's now gone to the Texans is uh, rubbing salt in the wound a little bit there. But I mean, clearly he's a guy who either didn't want to be there or didn't have the right attitude. And you have to have the right attitude to play for this for this franchise. I'm not. I'm not. They're not the reason we lost the game. I'm. You know, don't don't take that in a, in a way where I'm suggesting that they were. But the, the game was lost on on offense, and it was lost by just poor play all over the field. But more than anything, poor play calling and poor coaching. And that offensive line, I, I don't know what what you could do with them apart from just ripping it up and starting again almost from from scratch. There's not a single person on that offensive line, Baskaronski, that that you that I'd want next year in that team. Realistically, I mean Duncan, I'm happy to have him as a bit of a swing tackle as an emergency option, although he had a shocker on Sunday. But everyone else, if they if they ended up moving on, I wouldn't care. Petty Frere might stick around. He will stick around. He's, but again, you, you, whether he's a starting right tackle, I don't know. I mean, but he I'm might have. He might have to be depending on how uh, how we. But yeah. this is this is for this is for an off season, <laughs> the in depth look at the O line. But yeah, we we know it. We know it's bad and really bad. Um, there's, <laughs> yeah, and and Tim Kelly. Obviously, it's a shocker. The O-line, obviously, it's a shocker. Anyone who's watching it can tell both of those things. Will Levis, he started He started pretty well. He didn't have a great game. He made that, that horrible interception when you've got, he could have taken off for first down, equally found a wide open trailer Burks deep. Um, didn't. I mean, but we've, we've got to expect things like that will happen sometimes. There was a weird, really weird sort of, backwards pass it was he was under pressure i'm not sure it's one of those i could still can't tell if he was actually hit um but there was i think reasonably late in the game we ended up getting a field goal mm. when we actually actually had a bit of momentum on offense for one of the only times in the game and that but yeah that 
weird backwards pass set us back about 15 yards, I think. And then we just, yeah, third and forever. So that killed that drive. But the, yeah, we've, we've got to create more opportunities than that. It, it just, all of those, yeah, you mentioned them, all of those first down play calls are, are just are disgraceful, really. You can't, like, how, how can you watch that game? I mean, even Arch on commentary just, just, he he was getting frustrated. He he just if the later the game went on, he 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 literally was saying like, just stop running the football at all. Just and everybody watching it like it, it, this is this is what I just find staggering about the play calling is how are you not reacting to what's going on in front of you. I've not um, I've not looked I've not looked at every drive offensively and, and but it just felt like we were forever and further and long. It felt like, and and we're well, forever third and eight or or longer. That's going to happen if time. you're always second and thirteen or yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a recipe for for disaster for this offense. To you know, you you don't have you know people who can pull you out of of those holes every single time. And it's one of those it's one of those ones that offensively, I think it was Corey Curtis tweeted some a reply to somebody around this. Um, he was almost trying to defend. Kelly and he said something along the lines of you know essentially Kelly he was almost insinuating that Kelly's playing Vrabel's type of offense um and that he's not and that perhaps he isn't you know running the offense in the way that he would want to run it if he had full reins of it and I I I thought about it when when I read it I think him we know we know the type of offense we've had under Vrabel has always been run first I'm past caring whether that's true or not this is this is to a certain extent, this is on Brabel himself. We've, if we're gonna do something about this, either well, either Tim Kelly has to go or something drastic has to change. Yeah, but this is the point, and this is the point I'm making in terms of you can get rid of Tim Kelly this off season, like we did Todd Downing. But if he's just gonna go and get someone else who's running the same predictable offense, then because that's what Vrabel wants to be a run first team or whatever his identity is on offense, whatever he wants his identity to be on offense. I think you've just got to say to Vrabel, look, you're going to head up this team. You're going to head up this, this roster. You're going to be the man who leads this team, but on offense, just go and get someone to run it. Just go and get someone to take it over. That's not his side of the ball. Let's just go and get someone to run it. And that's exactly what he's required right now. Even if they think Tim Kelly in the future is going to be, you know, is going to be the offensive coordinator of the future and they want to go and get, you know, like Jim Swartz did with, with Shane Bowen last year. Sure, whatever, but just let someone go and run that offense. Go and let them run it. And and I'll say this for Neil because Neil's not here and he'll want me to say it and he'll want to say it if he was here himself, is we, we're not up with the times with the NFL. We're not running an NFL offense. We're running an offense that that has worked historically, but we are incredibly out of date when it comes to how we run our offenses. And and then for me, it's it's almost a case where, I said this weeks ago, there's got to be changes made on the coaching staff. There's got to be changes made at coordinator. And if, if Mike Vrabel is not willing to make those changes, then as far as I'm concerned, he's, you know, he's not indispensable. He's another one who can go. I don't think he will. It's clear that, that Amy and, and, and Ran want him to be the man leading this team, but They've got to take, in my opinion, they've got to take those coordinator positions away. Um, go and get somebody who can go and run the offensive side of the ball, 
Um, especially, maybe, I think, maybe, maybe, defensively. Well, I was just thinking about, about Ran joining. Maybe it was always the thinking that they were going to give it two years before making any sort of judgments on of those two positions because we always knew the cap was going to be an issue in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, and we always, we also always knew that it wasn't going to be in 2024. So that gives, that's a big, that's a big opportunity for Rand to stamp his authority on the roster. There were going to be big changes. Yeah, we're, we're probably looking at a world without Tannehill or Henry or, I mean, it, it's a, yeah, it, it might sound, sound both. I mean, both will, both will be gone. But the biggest thing uh, for me, I think, the, with the cap space that we've got, there's so much that needs fixing on both sides of the ball that I don't think that cap's going to go as far as people think it will. Everyone sits there saying, oh, don't worry, we've got all this cap space, we've got this, we've got that. And we have. We, we've got a lot of cap space. But we've also got more gaps than most rosters in this league. And those gaps aren't cheap to fill, especially when you're overhauling an offensive line the good good thing we have got is a rookie qb on a cheap deal you know we're not having to pay or pay our qb which which ultimately is is going to be a massive you know a massive plus for us that that to me is bigger that to me is bigger than actually the the cap the situation by itself that just makes it everything so much easier because you don't don't have to pay you don't have to pay your your agree i completely agree but you've got so many so many gaps and We've had a between. I know Neil and I have conflicting opinions on on where we need to go first round of the draft, whatever pick we've got. Um, all I will say is is even if there are players available, offensive linemen available in free agency, and we end up going receiver in the draft, which by the way there isn't many offensive linemen worth worth spending money on. You don't want to. They're not going to be cheap. They're going to be incredibly expensive. So it's one of those ones where I think this is this is not a one year rebuild. This is probably three four years of pain. Realistically, um, I don't think we'll have a have a roster that can compete until Levis is probably going to have to be paid anyway. Because I just, I just don't see a quick turnaround. I really don't. I think I I'm more optimistic than you on that. I think it's it's possible. I'm not saying we win the Super Bowl next season far from it but i think you can make big strides in a short space of time we see it all the time in the nfl um woeful teams one year become contenders the next also yeah the other way around obviously and um, but there's it there's a lot of uh yeah obviously certain well-run organizations tend to stay near the top and certain others tend to stay near the near the bottom but you do get a lot of flip-flopping i think the only that. beauty the only beauty of it i mean if you look at the nfl this year especially the afc it's probably the weakest the AFC has been for for some time. When I say weakest, I mean there's no runaway teams. There's no teams that you just look at and think you're never going to beat them. They're too good. Every every team in this league this year, certainly in the AFC, actually probably arguably on, on both sides, but kind of feel like you yeah you know, if you got it right you could beat them. There's no there's no one. I mean even it's probably the Ravens the only the Ravens the only team in the it. AFC. So, I don't know. It's a bit of a bit of a strange one in that regard. So maybe that will help us if we do end up getting good talent in next year. But I don't think it matters what that roster looks like next year. If you go in with the same coaching staff you've got right now, I think you you you're fine with one one arm behind your back. I think we all agree on that. 
Um, yeah, the it's just it's yeah, you end up. I feel feel like we kind of having the some of the same conversations each week a little bit. Um, we know we know the the challenges that's ahead. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible, but like you like you say, some changes have to happen and some difficult decisions have to be made. And we've got some we've got a long off season coming up where we're going to be doing all that. So, um, in the meantime, three games to put up with, um, and that's uh, <laughs> that's going to be tricky. I I put a little question on Discord um, just to see what a few people thought about, well, not just not just about this game, but in what's been a tough season to be to be a Titans fan. And the question was simply, what makes you angriest about the Tennessee Titans, um, David Sweetland? I like this. Probably their continued existence in my life. <laughs> and yeah, there'll be there'll be the odd fan that comes and goes uh, that follows this team, but we're we're all in it for life and it's this is just just how it is. Um, you'd love to say well, I'd love to be the type of person that would kind of half-heartedly watch if during mediocre years and then get invested when we're good again, but that's not how I'm wired. <laughs> you you kind of you kind of watch the games regardless, although maybe not this week, which we'll come to. And he then says, but mainly the continuous bad coaching, poor coaching choices, and the same bad play calling every week. Yeah, with <laughs> it's like you've uh, been listening to the the last fifteen twenty minutes exactly. And Neil Neil Donohoe, don't know who that is. Um, most of the time, I appreciate that we have an identity. The rest of the time, I'm angry that we don't move with the times and look at what is winning championships in the NFL, vertical offense and elite pass rush. We hear you. <laughs> to be as, fair, as, as you touched on. Pass, pass rush is not is not my biggest concern. It's not, I think, well, depending, no, on, no. depending on how, I mean, Autry's been unbelievable this year. I think I said on Sunday in our WhatsApp group that he's probably been our best player defensively. Um, but that's one thing I actually don't, if Orchard can continue. It's it's funny how often in that area the last couple of years where we have been missing guys that others step up. Um whether where whether that's been Tier Tart in the in the recent past or Peko or or players like yeah um Weaver or so or somebody somebody will come in for a couple of sacks that you that you don't expect. Um mm. yeah, Autry's been a quietly been one of one of our best players full stop this year and probably doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, definitely. Ten sacks, I think, now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, ab- absolute absolute hero in there. Um Ellis says continual insistence on running awful run plays up the middle that instantly get stopped at the line of scrimmage. I mean that's not been every game, but it's been much more often this year. Now I think it's it's yeah, there are a few things going on here. I the the O-line, obviously, the run blocking is not what it was. That's clear to see for everybody. The offensive coordinator we've, we've discussed. Um, but, yeah, again, as I say, it's it's the insistence on not adjusting to what's going on in front of you. Like, it, offense in recent years has been able to do. This one doesn't. Um, Tom Vincent, <laughs> the lack of media coverage for such a prolonged period of time and even when there is a little it's very dismissive i mean that's not going to change 
It's also, it's also one thing I don't really care about personally. I mean, I sometimes, we... sometimes it bugs me where it's, I don't know, the Dan Hanses of this world will, yeah, obviously they, they, they're well educated. Well, it's not the right word or well informed enough to know what's going on with every team to a certain extent, but they're, it's easy for the media and characters like that to sort of laugh at teams like the Titans. It's just, it's just easy column inches or easy, easy podcast minutes to call us a tytoons or whatever. Um, and it will never get the attention that the Cowboys or the Patriots or the Packers will get. It's just, it's just how it is. And that has its positives as well. And it can, I think it, we know it can take the pressure off at times, but yeah, you know, Will Levis is never going to get the pressure and attention of Dak Prescott, so you kind of have to have to take that. But no, I, I it, it really, does really... it does bug me when you just get ill informed opinion, and it's somebody somebody will talk like they've just looked at a box score and just assumed whatever the Titans have done have done without actually bothering well, to watch. Probably factual. I mean, no one watches the Titans, let's be honest. Yeah. But um, the only time it bothered me was when we had that playoff run in sort of 2020, when you know it was it, everything was about in the lead up to that New England game. It was about Tom Brady making another another potentially final run. And then as soon as we won that game, it wasn't about how the Titans won it. It was about how Tom Brady lost it or, or how the Pats lost it. And then it was straight into the Ravens, who were the media darlings that year. That's the only time it, it, it's, it's bothered me. Prior to that, I don't, I, it doesn't, I don't really care. Uh, it does, uh, it's one of those things, the media, sometimes I think it does do us favours because quite often in the end, all of the, you talk about Dan Hansis and those guys, you know, Corners Tytoons, we kind of keep proving them right to an extent. <laughs> uh, it's kind yeah, of yeah, okay. That's the order, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The... The example that comes to mind to me is when I think 2021, when we absolutely annihilated the Chiefs at home and everything yeah. was what's wrong with the what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's wrong with the Chiefs? Precisely, and then we yeah. go to the LA Rams, hot <clears throat> hot Super Bowl favourites, blow them away. It's what's wrong with the Rams. Ra- rather yeah. than actually give the when we're yeah. we actually are good, give us the credit yeah, we deserve. Um yeah, there's been loads of examples like that. Yeah, absolutely. Tom also says about the organisation, it's the relatively poor record, poor track record with coordinators. We don't need to talk about Tim Kelly or the the current the current ones anymore. But it it's not entirely miss. But I feel like in recent years, probably largely is. But it's it's a difficult one because the good coordinators get snapped up for head coach jobs Arthur you Smith. have to you have to have you have to have a constant cycle of of good of good coordinators because like, like you say i mean we had it with arthur smith we even had it with lafleur um prior to that as well so i mean not that he was necessarily one that was developed by us i mean he kind of came in to get a, a chance to play call and then buggered off after a year so you have to have them that next guy who, whether it be in your mindset of this guy from another team or, or internally, and we've done that internally quite a bit, but I just, I just don't think we've ever chosen the right guy. Like Tim, Tim Kelly getting that job after, after Downing when his job literally was passing game coordinator and our passing game was 26th, 28th, whatever it was in the league just doesn't scream to me that, Oh yeah, that's the guy we should be promoting. 
Um, it makes just with just absolute broken records. I know we are, but I don't see what is so bad about bringing in like a pass game minded coordinator and Mike Vrabel still being able to manage him. Um, and you know why why the identity has to always be the same. Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we're complete broken records about it. Um, the one thing I wanted to touch on kind of related to the game sort of was the Oilers uniforms. Now this, yeah, as I said at the start, this made the, the loss harder to take in a way because the tech Texans fans are so riled up about it. And obviously they're, they're going to enjoy it more because they've, they've beaten us in, in the Oilers uniforms. So we've had to put up with nonsense from people like JJ Watt, but what else is new? It's, it's been unbearable, really, um, and I, I shouldn't care. It shouldn't matter. We, yeah, we know, <laughs> we know where the uniforms belong. It's it's something we've we've discussed before, and 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 so on and so forth, and nothing nothing should ever change there or will. But Houston aren't gonna lie down and just accept it each time. I did, with hindsight. As much as I love the fact that we decided to wear them in the game against the Texans this year, in hindsight, it did put a bit of a bullseye on our head. And I think maybe maybe there was an argument to to have picked another game instead to to bring them out and just to just to ease it in. And I get I can see why they're annoyed. And I, I would be. It it it's 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 trolling, really. It's rub. It's sort of rubbing their face in it, and so I, I, from that side, they're wrong. Of course, they're wrong. But I do get, I do get why they they'd be angry about it. And I think it's for the large part since we've been in Tennessee, we wore the see, we wore the fiftieth AFL anniversary throwbacks in two thousand and nine. Uh, but other than that, we haven't worn Oilers gear in the time or, or since becoming the Titans, I should say. And yeah, it's been great to have them, and I hope they continue. They look incredible; They're the best uniforms the league's ever ever seen, bar none. But I kind of that was too big a narrative over that game, and maybe a, a bit of a distraction. And obviously, the we win, we're not we're not having this conversation. But the the cowboy hat and the the bravado around this and and ev- everything else, we're kind of we. We set ourselves up for it a bit. I don't. Know, I don't think it had any outcome on how that game went, but I, I, I do agree from a media perspective and from a social media perspective, it it definitely put that bullseye on our back. I, I to be honest, I, I don't really, it, I don't care about about any of that stuff. Like I, I know what what it, you know what the how it works in t- in regards to. Um, you know, franchises and franchises move. They take that history with them. There's like some examples where, you know, that hasn't always been the case. But the fact is, the Titans are the Oilers. That's that's they were for two years in Tennessee, and outside of that, they were the Houston Oilers previously. At the end of the day, Gen- that is what it is. Gen- genuine little question on this. So there's uh, examples that always get trotted out are the the Browns and Ravens, which is a different, slightly different scenario. The the Colts moving from Baltimore to Indianapolis and then the Baltimore mm-hmm. getting a new team. 
Um, and we'll always say, well, you don't you don't hear people in Baltimore moaning about the Colts uniforms. I, I the genuine question is this: Would this be completely different if the Oilers uniform was just meh? <laughs> is is it just down um, to how phenomenal the uh, the uniform and branding is? Are we? I all, think I, is the world that shallow? No, I just think it's two teams that, let's be honest, haven't had much to shout about other than being relatively mediocre for years, right? None of them have made any real serious run, bar that one Super Bowl run that we made in 99 or whatever it was. So <clears throat> it's all really that we've got to cling on to. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Like it's the, the fact we've got, like, if we were a team that had won two, three Super Bowls or they were a team that had won two, three Super Bowls, they wouldn't give a shit about the Oilers' beautiful. Sorry to make you have to edit that, but it, they wouldn't. They wouldn't care. And but it's because both franchises have had no real success that this is now a bigger issue. But a lot of a lot of the I mean, uh, when I went to Houston years ago, I got chatting to a few Texans fans, and and there's a real mixed bag of you know those that were old enough to remember the Oilers will be around when the Oilers were there. A lot of them were Oilers fans that when they left. They just didn't follow with them. They didn't carry on supporting them. They they either went and supported Dallas or didn't support anyone at all. And then all of a sudden the Texans came up and it was like, oh, I go great, what team my front door again? I'll go and support them. So it's just a and a lot of the genuine Oilers fans who I spoke to who who sort of say every time they play is just weird because they were Oilers and obviously now they're Texans. This um, this is what I'm getting at with wearing the uniforms against them a little bit. This this like, yeah, yeah but this is this is where it is weird for them. But a lot of those people just they don't really care about it. Most people who care about it are media and people who actually probably weren't even born when when the Oilers were were were, were kicking about in Houston. Or if they were born, they weren't Oilers fans. They just have want something to cling on to, like JJ Watt saying all this nonsense that he came out with on Twitter last night. He's doing it. He's doing it to bait. He's doing it to, to pander to the Texans fans that, that have their opinions. But ultimately when push comes to shove, it's complete nonsense. And if either of those teams were actually successful, no one would actually even care about the Oilers uniform in regards to, you know, we would still say we're the, you know, that's what our history is and we are the Oilers and we still have these throwbacks if the Texans were actually relevant in this in this league and actually had any success outside of it, they wouldn't be crying wolf constantly. I did weigh in on one reply. So John McLean posted something, but essentially just spouting facts about, yeah, this is... Yeah, this he is, hit the nail is, on the head. <laughs> he absolutely hit the nail on the head. And I, somebody... I can't remember what I said. I replied to, to somebody basically just saying, yeah, John McLean's hit the nail on the head. Um, he's a pretty reputable guy. Um, and someone random replied to me, stick to Hertfordshire, you bull. <laughs> um, so he's got a point. He's got a point. <laughs> I mean, I'm a bit thin on top, but yeah, otherwise. <laughs> can, can relate, don't worry. Uh, so, like, Sarah, it's hard to tell if on a, from a tweet if someone's genuinely really angry, but. <laughs> That's just a, another level. At least most of them don't have a clue what they're being angry about. They just want to be. They just. They would love that you know they have some kind of history. And even though the, look, the Titans and a lot of the Titans fans I know, most of them probably didn't support the Oilers. 
but they they inherited all of that history and the fact that you saw Earl Campbell on the sideline with Derek Henry and Eddie George and the fact you see you know Warren Moon you know they don't they're not going to watch Texans it's not, games it's not okay exactly exactly it's and and, and that said, that for me says everything. And I think John McLean, uh, just go and read that tweet or those tweets yeah. that he put out because he hit the nail on the head. He could say he said it better than I'll ever say it. It's just a, yeah, go ask Warren Moon what he thinks. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, not not some faceless guy on Twitter who who won't even give you real name. Most search, people like that on Twitter. Search for the phrase I've just described, and you'll find him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so three games left. We have got the Seahawks at home on Christmas Eve. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be with family. I may not. I'm. I'll catch. I'll catch up with it. I'll, I may. Well, I'll keep an eye. I'll probably watch the game. Who am I kidding? But it's. It's not. Yeah, don't don't jeopardize your family's Christmas plans for this one. That's my only advice. Like we all did on Christmas Eve a year ago ironically against the Texans it's it's fairly meaningless we might be seeing Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill well we, I, I'm pretty certain given Levis's injury which we haven't really talked about um, but it's yeah luckily it's not something serious that he's going to carry into well, I, I, I talked about negligence earlier in in that sort of coordinating position if Will Levis sees the field again this year I also think it's negligent of the of Mike Vrabel and his coaching staff because there is just no need for like we've seen we've seen enough of of Levis to know that you've got something to play with there is he a franchise quarterback we're not going to learn that in the next three games so I think I, I think, think we've learned I think we've learned a fair amount on that already um, I, think I, think, I do think got... I do think there's an element of you you have to play to improve and get experience and and he's played what seven or eight games does do we he's probably not fit this weekend anyway i too i kind of i kind of agree <laughs> yeah I, I'm... I just don't see i don't see the point of sticking him behind that offensive line against a seahawks defense that is is decent it's not great but it's decent it's got a de- they've got a decent pass rush you then got to go away to houston who will probably have will anderson back at that point and will have their tails up because they've still got the bee in their bonnet and and then you've got to play the jags so who again have a decent enough pass rush? I just do not see the benefit of putting him behind that line. I don't think we're going to learn. I want to see him because I, um, I've, even though he's been a bit up and a bit down, he's given me a lot more hope for the future than than Tannehill was, and and certainly Malik Willis has. But for me, I think it would be incredibly negligent of this coaching staff to. To play him again this season, I just do not see what you benefit from that. There's enough to work with. You've seen that. Are we going to see in the, enough in the next three games for us to change our it's, mind? Uh, it's it's no. the. I don't, I'm not saying this about so we can make an informed decision. I'm saying this about development. That's the only reason you'd play him at this no, point. No, no. I, um, I, I, and I don't disagree with that. But the development of, of but it's not going to be it's not going to be in front of you every yeah, single yeah. play, and you the chances of you. I mean, look, he is. A walking ACL, torn ACL injury. If he carries on behind that line, and look, I actually he's, was, look, 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 I, was he's fearing, the... I was fearing that after we went down on, on Sunday. He's not. He's almost certainly going to miss this week, and then you're left with two games. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm not mad if we don't see him again. Don't get me wrong. I'm just. I'm just saying it's a shame that it's going to the season's going to end like this because we are seeing 
maybe with maybe it's a bit two steps forward, one step back this week, but we have seen more improvement than than regression, certainly. So yeah, it's not a huge thing in the, the grand scheme of things. I'm I think we're all happy that he's the guy going forward. We we would all agree he's not a finished article by any means, but there's more to work with from anybody we've had probably in living not literally living oh, no, memory, no. but in a long time. No, no, I agree. I think look, we it's one of those ones that he goes and plays in any of those three games. If he goes and gets a, a long term injury because of it, they will be every, all every single Titans fan will be will be cursing that coaching staff. I just don't think you should even risk it. I just don't think it's worth risking it. I agree to your point in terms of that that development. I agree in terms of you know he has to get meaningful snaps. Absolutely agree, but he's played several games already. I think we've seen enough to know that he's the guy we can roll with. We don't need, to, you know, there's no doubt when it comes to the draft. We're not going to be sitting there thinking, okay, we're drafting at this position. Do we need a quarterback? That's not what we need. We know that now. And that's all that we needed to know coming out of this season. Him playing for another three games in front of that O-line, I just, I just do not see how it benefits him long in the long run. There's every chance they could go and break him. And breaking him then does open up the door to, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to just wait potentially a week, a year for him and next year he doesn't barely play because he's got had a serious injury or do you go and spend another pick in the draft? I I don't even want that conversation. I'd say wrapping up in Cotton Wall, getting ready for next year with all of that cap space, which I'm sure Rand will spend very, very well. There we go. That's probably a good, a good point to end the, the Titans chat on. So... Non-Titans related, if uh, anything's been going on. I don't have a huge amount to, to say other than... I mean, I've, t- I've talked about being a linesman for my kids under 13s football before, I think, once or twice. But um, parents of kids who play football at that age are actually the worst people. I've just got a, a wide... Just starting to annoy me a bit coaches and parents being 10 times worse than the kids and setting a really poor example um arguing swearing about decisions these are adults that are supposed to be setting their kids as an example um a little little thing was just eating away at me from the weekend was a second half i'm running the line in front of all the but right in front of all the opposition's teams parents and um, down the other end, one of our parents has a has a go at their linesman and the referee for a, an offside decision, um, like proper proper argument, but awful. Yeah, shouldn't be doing it. Um, and then one of the yeah, not just one, but a lot of the parents behind me are having a go at him, like show some respect, show some respect. Two minutes later, they're doing giving me the same treatment over over me sticking my flag up, um, and I turned to some woman and said, "What? but what's all that about respect? You don't deserve any respect, was the answer. I mean, this is, this is like shouting. So any, yeah, anyone, anyone there can hear, kids can hear. And it's just, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, um, yeah, I, I, there's, there's no answer to this. I'm just uh, lamenting really that the, the kids are the best behaved people there and they're 12 and 13 um Parent, they'll come a point do, 
parents do get a bit a bit kind of tightens twitter aren't they when they're uh <laughs> yeah basically what we've learned here is when parents have to watch their kids play games is uh there's no way of stopping them no no um, anything from yourself yeah very really quick one um Obviously, firstly, I um, can't wait for the new year so I can get told by every single person I work with, you know, the same old Happy New Year. Uh, how long you have to keep saying Happy New Year to <laughs> colleagues? I think I've said this one before. That's it's actually definitely come up. It's, it's going to constantly come up, I think, every year. It's, It'll be me again in a few the, weeks' time. It's the emails. Um, February it's, it's the, February first, the yeah. 5th. Hi, Greg. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? What I do like is uh, Gmail actually preempts that. So you can just press tab and it automatically fills it in for you. Um, the one thing I've, I, I've, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about, though, is, is around pre-Christmas and, and just how, obviously, there's a lot of people who take time off around Christmas. But when people take time off around Christmas, certainly from a work perspective, there's a lot of people who also don't take time off around Christmas who still basically act in a way of, uh, you know, because it's you know, Christmas, there's a, a lot of holiday coming up. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to work on that until until the new year. <laughs> but I but I know you, that you're in the whole time, so you can work on it. Oh, I'm gonna uh, no, well, no. It's, it's a Christmas holiday, you know. It's it's there's there's time time people are taking time off, so this we'll pick this up in the new year. Down tools so I, on anything non-urgent on December the sixth, and then it, it's, it's <laughs> February's problem. <laughs> it basically is exactly that. It's just like I just don't get it because I I mean I, I use all my holiday outside of christmas so i work all the way through it and i'm just like i can sort what i can sort out but as soon as you need anything else from anyone else even if they're working uh nah, we'll, we'll come back to you in january it's madness just uh, i don't know if it's the same in in with us is like a office job style um issue because I, I can't imagine it being an issue for many other i can't imagine restaurants being like nah, we're sorry we can't serve you to the new year um <laughs> but yeah it just seems like in a in a in a commercial environment it just seems to be the the way that it is and it's just always been really strange to me it's not it's been it's normalized though it's somehow acceptable like there's a if i send someone an email about something in march it's the sort of like urgency of yeah you need a re reply in half a day sort of email you'll get mm. one but you'll send you'll send an email like that in december and it might be a week <laughs> like, or, or, it'll be, or it'll be speak to you in january yeah yeah um <laughs> It's almost uh, probably subconscious on a lot of levels, but it's definitely there. Absolutely there. It's definitely, there's definitely people who don't take the time off, and that's the one that makes me laugh. Is like the ones that, that you know they're working because I'm also working. I mean, um, everyone. It's the 19th of December as at time of recording. Everyone's still pretty much working, like unless you've taken a full week a full week off, yeah, uh, but or, or in the calendar they're working. I should say. Yeah, so, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who won't uh, who won't work. Who just basically sit there from the from the 14th of December. Just think, great. See you in January. <laughs> like, I'm just jig. gonna do do the bare minimum and uh, and get by from it, which always blows jig, my mind. Jiggle the mouse every couple of minutes just to keep the green tick <laughs> yeah. online. Yeah, put something on the on the space bar on the, on the keyboard just to keep <laughs> keep uh, keep the PC open for long enough. The the little um, bird, the pecking bird that um, comes down. You see a lot of those. Um, I don't know if it's just me. I see a lot of these things on on like stories on TikTok or whatever you call them. Like those little short short little videos you get where people talk about working in a commercial environment, and 
normally it's they do it based on on uh, whether you're a millennial or Gen Z. I'm not saying Z, sorry, uh, or, or Gen X or any of those weird things. I still don't understand really what they mean. Um, and they're just being stereotypical with it. But uh, a lot of it is, yeah, a lot of it is true. I know a lot of people who it's a home work from home mentality. I guess. <laughs> Right. Oh, you're definitely on wind down this week then. So, um, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it from us. I think it's, it's whether we, I, I don't think we reconvene next week on this podcast. We'll maybe get back in the first week of January. Your email is important to us, but we'll deal with it next year. That's what you're going to get from the, the Transatlantic Titans podcast. If Happy there's, New Year. yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, Wishing everybody obviously a, a good Christmas and New Year. If you if you choose to watch the Seahawks game and then the the Texans game the week after, then that's on you. You know, zero expectations. We might watch. We'll be around. I'll be I'll be watching. Unfortunately, don't know why. Um, obviously, Oiler up as ever. But uh, yeah, go well. We'll uh, we'll catch you next year. Sign up. <laughs>